This is the Image Junkies Podcast, the show for news and documentary filmmakers, with your host, Christian Parkinson. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 5 of the Image Junkies Podcast for news and documentary cameramen. Today we're talking to a guy I know who I've worked with for a long time now called Barnaby Mitchell. He's a cameraman based here in South Africa, he's a local guy. And to be honest, there's very little he hasn't covered in the last few years. He spent a lot of time in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Russia. He was based in London. Um, He's worked for a lot of big organizations, including AP, the BBC, some of the American organizations. So he's a really interesting guy to speak to. He's got a lot of great stories. And today, in this chat, we decided to focus on his recent experiences covering the fighting in Mosul in Iraq which were pretty hardcore, as you'll hear. If you're interested in covering war zones, then you're probably going to want to have a listen to this. I joined him and we sat down and started looking through his rushes. So I'm here with Barnaby and we're looking, we're looking at video footage, GoPro head camera footage from Mosul of Barnaby in the back of an armoured Humvee. Barnes, what's going on here, mate? Well, it's just... Uh... We just spent the night with the um, Iraqi Special Forces with the ERD. Um, What's that? The ERD is the uh, Emergency Response Division, I think. They oh, okay. sort of split the the um, the army was split into two. Uh, one was one was the Fast Reaction Force for the Federal Police, and one was a f- was the uh, Iraqi Army Special yeah. Forces. And we were with the with the police side, um, and we'd spent a night um, right up in a. In a, in a, right up on the in the western Mosul. Yeah, like in a house. In, yeah, in a, in a house basically, um, and we were basically up in the furthest tip up into the west of the old city, um, where they were planning their first big offensive into the old city. Um, so yeah, this is this is this is climbing into the Humvee to get into, to get out and and get back to relative safety. You can really see on your face, the the stress of the moment. You you look like uh, a photo of sort of the warriors on Iwo Jima in 1945. It's that sort of look. I mean, how bad how bad had it been that trip? Uh, it was probably the most insane thing that I've ever done, I think. It was, uh, I've been to Iraq quite a few times and I've been to Afghanistan many times and this just was on another level. I mean, we were right, right, right. We were surrounded on three sides the whole night. Um, we were supposed to go on a dawn uh, raid, a dawn attack with the, uh, with the ERD. And the major decided to surprise ISIS by attacking them at two o'clock in the morning. So we were completely in the dark, literally, literally, <laughs> yeah. in every way. And um, the minute that they uh, they crossed over into enemy lines, I mean, all hell just broke loose, and it literally just came from every single angle and every side. Um, we even um, <coughs> we had uh, uh, predator drones uh, firing Hellfire missiles into the neighbor's yard, you know, or two houses away at least, uh, uh, to silence the flak guns that ISIS had. I mean, uh, and they were that close. They were that close, yeah. And literally, um, the Americans were were guiding in uh, missile strikes and uh, and also long range uh, artillery from 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 a safe distance away, um, probably fifteen miles away. Uh, they were dropping in pretty precision bombs and 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 uh, and missiles from from airplanes and from drones uh, all night long, and ISIS literally 
after one huge barrage, they would be up and running two minutes later. Right? Really? So it didn't really actually affect them that much? I just think they had so many people in reserve. They were just like a zombie army. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm looking at this picture of, of Barnes in the back of the Humvee, and that looks like an A7S. Can you tell us what, what kit you took in with you and, and why and, and what the strengths and weaknesses of it were in, in that environment? Yeah, sure. So I have a, a Sony FS5, which has become my, my main rig. Um, and uh, I use that in the daytime. Uh, the A7, um, I literally bought to take photographs of my trips um, and uh, it ended up becoming my main tool because we were spending so much time in Humvees. Um, there was no space to use the FS5 to its full potential. Uh, so I started using the A7 for the confined stuff um, and was really, really impressed with the picture quality. Um, and then, of course, the dawn raid that we went on um, ended up becoming a, a nighttime shoot. So the A7S was just, uh, it was remarkable. We, I shot probably at about 160,000 ISO for wow. about four hours. It was, it was, I never had any lights. We weren't allowed to use lights. Um, so, yeah, the only thing that was lighting my shots was moonlight and uh, the Special Forces... Um, cigarettes and um, you know infrared torchlights that they had on their on their heads and do you have any footage that you that you took at that high ISO that we can have a look at and discuss because I mean that's that's pretty amazing working at a did you say 160,000 ISO yeah. yeah well I mean that is the benefit of the a7s isn't it that amazing low life low light capability yeah so there's um, so Barnes is just scrolling through his uh, his rushes from the trip now and uh, just show you some stuff here well, wow. so, so what are we looking at here? This is um, this is uh, a guy called Major Muhammad, and he is the the leader of I think it was Unit Three who we were with embedded with, and he's literally using an American war map, um, which is like an iPad, but very very low light infrared, and that light is just lighting up all of everybody's faces around him. That's quite remarkable. That was the only only key light that was being used. Uh, yeah. I mean, what is amazing for me looking at it is that the, the thing that looks like an iPad basically lights the scene. Uh, Barnes is at over 100,000 ISO, and it's actually not, it's actually pretty usable. I mean, it's, it's a bit grainy, but it's, I've seen much worse in much uh, brighter conditions, so that's pretty amazing. Yeah, you can actually, um, you can actually see the bleed, the, you know, the, the red bleed. Here's, mm. here's some guys at a doorway. Um, you, you can actually see shadows from the moonlight off there. Yeah. And what's that yeah. shot that's bright red down here? We're just going through the rushes now. Oh, this is, uh, this is somebody with an infrared torch on, I think. Ah, uh, okay. Trying to see some... Uh, this is a house that uh, ISIS had just fled, and we, we basically we didn't know if the place was booby-trapped, so the guys are looking around for... Uh, you know, we thought this might have been a suicide belt, but it was actually just a disused ammo pouch. Right. Um, I mean, it's pretty, pretty amazing stuff to look at. I mean, is, uh, oh, wow. Okay. And this is at about 3 o'clock in the morning, maybe 4 o'clock in the morning. On, uh, so we're looking at two soldiers um, looking very heavily armed, a bit tired, but, but also looking like they're ready for action here. Was this, just, was this during the assault or just before? No, this is during. This is during. Oh, we can hear some fire. This is some guys. This is... All night long. These are some guys uh, busy uh, opening up some, some ammo boxes yeah. to, to resupply. The big fight's going on just around the corner there. Um, 
Oh, looks like someone's setting up to fire an RPG here. Don't want to be caught by the back blaster there. So you can see a bit of the sloppy discipline here. There's an RPG and the pin's just been pulled off the head and he's just left it standing on its end. Um, this is this was um, one of my turning points. Really, where you were like, right, I've had enough of this. You just watch what happens here. So the guy's putting the RPG on his shoulder. He's moving to an open door. He's on the rooftop now. And he's going out and into a line of ISIS snipers. And he's going to try and take out one of their positions. I'm not quite sure what he was doing. He was a bit of a... I don't know what happened to him either. Watch the sandbags on the left now. <laughs> so he's just clearly fired the RPG. There's smoke everywhere. Wow. I think he um. He got he got um. He's having a good laugh about it. Whatever yeah. it is. He he he's probably the luckiest man on this planet right now. I mean, he's. Has he been shot? Yeah, he got skinned, eh? He got, well, he got crazed, eh? No yeah. way. Yeah. Very lucky. And he's, he's having a good laugh about now it. Now they're having a look at the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My gosh. And then who was with you on this trip? Like, um, you know, what, just, just for people who have never done something like this, what, what sort of team are you working with? Is it just you on your own? Is there a group of you? Yes, yeah, so we had a, a high-risk advisor um, the, from the BBC. Yeah. Uh, who's an um, ex-parachute regiment, um, rock solid. It's always handy to have someone who's ex-military because they just um, they, they they have a, a a better grasp of 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 what's safe and what's not safe and you know good places to take cover and things like that um, and also just for for your own sanity just to tell people that you're okay you know you're going to be okay he's watching the body language of the special forces he's watching the body language of their commanders and he can gauge whether the fight's going well or or not mm. you know so it's always good to have someone to give you that kind of information. Um, I mean, one thing I've found from my own experience working with high-risk advisors is I always feel like they're on the side of the cameraman. You know, I always feel that often, and, you know, this is not reflective on the guys you were working with here, but sometimes there can be a tendency amongst correspondents to want to push too far and too hard. And a good high-risk advisor will often push back against that, and, yeah. and that's their job is to keep you alive, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then, so so there was there was a high risk advisor, and then was it you, just yeah. you and a correspondent, or uh, was there also a producer? Yeah, and a correspondent. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and uh, the BBC's defence correspondent, actually Jonathan Beale. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and there was just the three of us and an interpreter, uh, Iraqi interpreter, um, Bada, who is absolutely rock solid under fire, um, and just knows everybody. He just, uh, you know, he's he's got. He's got family in the, in, in, the, in the military, you know, he's known a lot of these guys from, from university, maybe from school, maybe just from his neighborhood in Baghdad. Um, yeah, so it was really, really handy having him along. Um, I always say you're only as good as your fixer, really, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, what sort of conversations are you guys having as a team before you go into this environment? Like, what are the, what's the thought process before you go in? Do you just go in and wing it, or do you have a plan? Um, well, we had a plan. <laughs> The plan was that at sunrise we'd be attacking um, um, the, uh, the the tip of the um, of the of the of the V that we'd find ourselves in. Um, so um, literally, which which was literally the garden behind us, um, <coughs> and 
yeah, the plan was 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 a dawn attack. So so everything was cleared through the BBC, through, through the BBC's high risk. That uh, yep, we were happy. We'd we'd spoken with the major in length uh, about the battle plan, and we were all happy. We were, we were all in agreement that it was going to go pretty smoothly. Um, when they decided to attack at two in the morning, uh, that that was uh, the plan out of the window. And I think we just kind of decided, well, let's give it a go, and we'll hang You're back. Here now. <laughs> we'll hang back a safe distance. Uh, we we had a long chat with the major, and we said to him, look, we're not going to go in with the first wave. Um, so he had uh, unit one and two, which is uh, I think each unit had about thirty men, um, and we decided to hang back and see how they went, um, and uh, probably. I think I filmed some shots of him patting the first guys on the back and sending them over a, a federal police um, barricade. Um, and literally 10 seconds after these guys disappeared off into the dark, all hell just broke loose. There was explosions. The sky lit up. Um, and uh, within about 10 minutes, there was a radio call in saying, um, we're all down. Really? That was 30 men in 10 minutes. No yeah. way. Um, and uh, that's when we realized that this was maybe a bit more serious than uh, than, than what we thought it was going to be. Um, and that went on until the sunrise. Um, and, the, and the ferocity of the firefight didn't, didn't let up one, one second. I mean, there wasn't one, 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 one minute of that whole time where there wasn't bullets or mortars or whatever. It was pretty intense. Here, this is actually a shot of the guy that made the radio call. And uh, this is him. Um, so the guy we're looking at, he's, uh, he looks pretty tough dude. What, yeah. So he, what was he? Is he the radio operator? Or? He was the radio operator, op operator in, in, in Unit 2. I can see he's in, already in wounded. One. His fingers yep. look broken and damaged. And he's just frustrated that the, uh, <coughs> he came in to get some medical attention. Actually, our, 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 um, our safety guy. Um, gave him gave him some first aid. Oh really? Um, oh, so that's good for getting you on yeah. side with the with the guys. And he just wanted to get back in the fight. He just wanted to go and uh, help out his comrades. And uh, yeah, so he just came in for some first aid. Got some got tooled up with a few fresh grenades and things. And uh, and he was off to go and fight some more. Nice. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, but yeah. I mean, he looks. Uh, you know, looking at him, he looks a pretty pretty tough guy. You can see he's fit. He's strong. Yeah. He's ready. He's ready for action. Yeah. And the weaponry they're using as well is very advanced. They were using uh, um, very the latest Croatian uh, semi-automatic. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, I've never even seen a, yeah. a weapon like that before. Looks a little bit like. I a, assumed they just used M4s, but uh, I don't know what that is. No, they're using. Uh, they sort of like. Uh, they look like Belgian FMs or something. They they're very plastic, uh, lightweight, um, very reliable. Um, that's that's the only thing that separates the ERD from the counterterrorism guys from 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 the Iraqi army. The Iraqi army are using all American uh, weapons, and, and, and they wear black. These guys wear street camo, and, uh, and yeah, and they're using European weapons, which is uh, yeah, yeah. And how did they how did they welcome you? Did you feel welcome, or did you feel very much outsiders when you were there? What was the atmosphere like for you? No, they they were they were really cool. Uh, they weren't skeptical at all about us. Uh, they kept telling us that we were very brave. <laughs> um, I guess maybe. Uh, Maybe they had a better gauge on how bad the situation was, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they they were great guys, and and, and uh, I would I would do it over again uh, if if I was with the same guys. Yeah, I, I would do it over again. Um, I think now maybe uh, Mosul, Iraq, is probably a, a slightly different place, and I think that a lot of the problems that people have may think that have just gone gone away are actually 
this may just be the beginning, mm-hmm. you know. I, th- I think definitely Mosul is, is not a safe place, even though it's been liberated from IS, I don't think that's... Um, yeah, you think there could still be um, a lot of danger if you visit there? Definitely. I mean, uh, one of the things you said there about them saying you're brave, uh, I've also had soldiers say that to me before. And I, I think for soldiers, they can't understand why anybody would be in that situation without a gun, mm. generally. <laughs> you know, which is pretty sensible. Like, why, why would you put yourself in that situation without a gun? I mean, you know, you've covered wars for years. What, what, what drives you to, to do it? What's, do you, is it the adrenaline? Is it, um, is it just that you know you're going to get great pictures? What, what, what's made you, motivated you to do it over the years? I think it's just a... It's a competitive thing, really, uh, just to see how far you can push. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe not an ego thing, but just to see how far you can push the boundaries and, mm. and, uh, and, and see what's inside you, you know? It's like yeah. a journey that you, you explore yourself and what you can do. Um, I think, uh, I don't think <laughs> after this, I don't think I'm going to be doing much more uh, of, 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 of the Middle East Definitely. I mean, I'm very comfortable working in Africa, but this was just on a different level. Really? Do you feel that sort of you've you, you found your own limits now and you're I've sort of comfortable with that? Definitely, definitely found my own limits. And I think if you look at the, if you go back and look at those pictures from the Humvee I, 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 with us leaving, I think you can see on my face that I've, I, I've made the decision there as well. It's, 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 it's. It's, in, it's, it's, on, it's on camera, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we're going to leave it there with Barnaby, but I'm sure you'll agree that was a really good interview and Barnaby has seen some pretty hectic stuff. Um, That trip to Mosul sounds pretty hairy by anybody's standards. So if you're enjoying the Image Junkies podcast, then please do write a review, do give us five stars and tune in next week because we're interviewing Rick Porsche. Um, He's a US local news cameraman in Baton Rouge aka turd polisher if you if you're big on social media you may have come across his handle he's a great guy who blogs who writes who shoots brilliant video and uh, we're going to have a good chat with him next week all about what it takes to be a great cameraman in the u.s and what life is like there for a local news cameraman in the meantime don't forget to check out my website imagejunkies.net which is packed with reviews of kit tips on shooting and tips on editing that sort of thing And you can also follow me on social media where I'm at Image Junkies with an I-E-S at the end. All right, guys, look, have a brilliant week and tune in next week. See you then. Bye-bye.